At the end of this week's parasha, when Hashem says that he's going to send a malach, an angel, to lead the Jewish people to the place that he has prepared for them, where is this place? You and I would think Israel, but Rashi teaches us something else. Says, I'm going to send an angel in front of you. Part of his job will be to bring you to the place that I have prepared. So Rashi, first, Rashi explains, what does that mean? The place that I prepared, he says, the place that I have allocated to give to you. And we'll see a little bit later that Rashi offers a second interpretation as well. But before we get there, let's understand what Rashi is telling us. The commentaries point out that what Rashi wants to qualify for us over here is in the passage just says, the place that I prepared for you. It doesn't even say for you. It says the place that I prepared. It doesn't designate that it's a place prepared for us as the Jewish people. So therefore, that would appear to be what Rashi is coming to tell us. Is Rashi Mephoresh, as the Achinoisi is, that Rashi explains what does it mean Achinoisi? That it's a place that I'm going to give to you, a place that I prepared for you. That's how the commentaries understand Rashi's point. The only thing with that explanation is it will raise a question. Why doesn't the passage just say that? If that's the message that I've prepared this place for you, say so. Therefore, Rashi explains a second uh, opinion, which is as Asharchi Noisi meant, that when it says the place that I prepared, that's Kvar Mekoimi Nikar Negdoi, the place that is allocated for you has already been so to speak, recognized or established or identified, uh, 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 opposite it or across from it. And he explains that what that means is that the heavenly base amigdash is parallel to the earthly base amigdash. We'll unpack that better in the next section. Now, if you go with that opinion, it's not that Hashem prepared the space for us, but rather that He placed, He prepared the space, so to speak, for Himself. And actually, the pasuk is extensively, effectively saying that which I prepared for me, for myself. And that would explain why it doesn't have to give the designation for whom this was prepared, because naturally you expect that people prepare things for themselves unless they state otherwise. Okay, so what are we saying? That the commentaries point out that Rashi needs to help us understand who the place was prepared for. Says the Rebbe, that's actually not a good enough explanation for the following reasons. First of all, if you're looking at this just simply at the simplest level of understanding, which is what Rashi addresses, is It's actually not a question that the Pasuk says, the place that I have prepared. That's not a big alarming question if you're learning the Pshat. Because it's actually self-understood. They is speaking to the Jewish people, saying the Malach is going to take them to this place. Logically, the place was prepared for them. That's, they're the subject of the Pasuk. They're the likely recipients of this place for whom it was prepared. So we don't need Rashi to explain that to us according to Pshat. Secondly, base, if that is what Rashi wanted to tell us, Rashi could have conveyed that really succinctly. In fact, it could have used similar language to what the Ebenezer does in the same Pasuk. One word explanation, I prepared it for you. 
That's not what Rashi says. Vavos is Rashi. Why does Rashi do two things we wouldn't have expected? He doesn't say it's prepared for you. He says, I prepared it to allocate it, to give it to you. It's a lot of extra words. And the second thing is, Rashi actually uses language which is different to the Pasuk he is explaining. The Pasuk said, I prepared it, and Rashi instead uses the word allocated it, so or reserved it. So why does Rashi do that? cannot be as simple as Rashi needs us to know who the place was designated for. Okay, let's have a look at the second uh, opinion, the second commentary that Rashi offers. Rashi then continues, that's the simplest explanation. I have reserved this place for you. A deep explanation. The place that I had already prepared, meaning... The place that I'd already allocated on high is already noticeable and identifiable even before you get to your place. What does that mean? The Zer says, Rashi, this is one of the places, one of the verses in Torah, that teach us that the heavenly base Amigdash is parallels the earthly base Amigdash. Now, why do we need that information over here? And why is it that Rashi repeats the words? Surely that's what he's explaining. So why is he now repeating the words and, uh, you know, seeding it into his interpretation? In the Tzvet and Pirish, in the second explanation, is Muvan. Well, that would make sense because Lerame is what Rashi wants to illustrate over here is Aslet Medrashai is Glatika Pshat Aloshan. What he wants us to understand is that when you follow the Midrashic explanation of this Pasuk, the words of the Pasuk flow more easily. The Pasuk says, to the place, Asherachinoisi. Nitela Oretz, it doesn't say to the land that I've prepared for you, which is how we all thought the Pasuk was going. that it means the Malach is going to take us to Eretz Yisrael, the country that was designated for us. But actually the Torah says, the place. What do you mean place? Now, according to the second Midrashic explanation, that makes perfect sense. Because the Ebesh is not just speaking about the fact that he prepared the land of Israel to be theirs, nor to but rather the specific location of the base Amikdash, which is paralleled to the heavenly base Amikdash, is prepared for them. Now, that question about the fact that Hashem says to the place instead of to the land is not an earth-shattering question that totally undermines the first simple explanation. Because there are other places in the Torah where we refer to an entire country as a place. In fact, Looking in the context of this particular pasuk, which says, "As the pasuk is talking about, "I'm going to take you to the place." Well, the context seems to imply nit in According to Pshat, it does not sound like the Ebrei is addressing a specific location inside the land of Israel, nor vegan but rather that is talking about the fact that I'm going to take you to that promised land. So the Medrash has validity, but it certainly is not going to completely undermine the Pshat. Now, when you look from the perspective of the Medrash, you're going to notice two things. We're translating the word El different to the expression El Haaretz. And as we're about to discover, actually the word Hachinoisi, I prepared, is a word that fits much better if you're talking about a specific place than if you're talking about an entire country. 
And that's why Rashi does use those words again, when going into the second explanation, because he does want to point out that, yes, we're not going to reject the pshat out of hand, but there are certain elements of this pasuk that work really well with the Medrash, and I want to alert your attention to those. But there is something about this second Midrashic interpretation that does seem a bit strange. Why does Rashi give us information that we don't really seem to need at this particular point? He tells us, This is one of multiple psukim that tell us that the heavenly Beis parallels the earthly Beis Why do we know that? Why do we need that information right now? Why is it relevant to know here and to hide to know that there are other psukim who support the same principle we're learning here that the Beis Hamikdash on high is a mirror of the Beis Hamikdash down below. You cannot suggest that the reason is that a child, five years old, learning Chumash for the first time, will never understand or get their head around something that there's a heavenly base amigdash which parallels the lowly base amigdash on their farm. And therefore, Rashi is going to support it and say, look, I have found other places that also teach the same principle. Look, there are other places. Varashi, I'll change free of the reason Rashi doesn't have to now suddenly say, don't worry, this is not a wild idea, I can corroborate, because Rashi's actually told us that this information back in Parashas Vayishlach. Tzveimol, in fact, two different times he told us. That the higher Beis Amikdash in heaven is in a corresponding location to our physical Beis Amikdash. And in those other occasions, Pashas, sorry, not Vayishlach, in, in Pashas Vayetze, and, and then again in Pashas Beshalach, where he speaks about this con- concept of the Beis Amigdash on high, reflecting the Beis Amigdash below, there he doesn't say, and I'll prove it from other places. So how come earlier Rashi did not feel the pressure to explain to us that this is a valid interpretation? Because look, so why now? And while we're analyzing Rashi, let's look at some of the specifics about the language that Rashi uses. Number one, Aleph, the Mokka for Medrashi, the source that Rashi is quoting in his second interpretation, where he says the Medrash explains this, is in Medrash Tanchoma. That's in the Medrash Tanchoma. So have a look at the Medrash Tanchoma, and you'll expect to find the same expression that Rashi uses, only it's not. There it says that this is one of the clear psukim that tells us that the earthly is in its location here on earth to reflect where the Beis Hamikdash is in heaven. That raises an interesting question. Why does Rashi switch it around and say, that the heavenly Beis Amikdash is located to reflect the Beis Amikdash down below? Surely, logic is, we have a Beis Amikdash here on earth because that's the mirror of where it is in heaven, not the other way around. Second of all, Beis is Dakir, saying Rashi, there is another version of how Rashi teaches this piece, which says, that there's a version that says, Rashi actually commented that the higher base, which is the heavenly base, is paralleled to that which is below, without stating the word base, 
So if we're going to go with that version, why would that version of Rashi's commentary leave out the base Hamikdash here on earth, which surely is the place Hashem prepared? Especially when you consider that the other two occasions, where he spoke about this principle that the base Hamikdash on high is paralleled to the base Hamikdash down below, he always used the word base Hamikdash Mata. So why would you leave it out over here, according to that? version. So to be in them, the explanation is, remember, we started off thinking that Rashi is addressing the question of who was this place prepared for. Turns out, Rashi is alerting us to something completely different. Rashi is addressing a very obvious question by the fact that the Torah uses the phrase that I have prepared usually what preparation implies is that you've done something to or with an item or an object or a place. And then when you've done whatever preparatory work you had to do in the place or with a thing, that makes it ready for the purpose that you needed to use it or that you intended to use it for. So here's the question in our context. What do we see that the Ebeshter did with Eretz Yisrael to make it now ready for the Jews to come? There is no evidence of any change in the status or the reality of Eretz Yisrael at this point to how it was for the last few centuries. The Adarabba, in fact, to the contrary. Read the rest of the parasha. It gives indication that Eretz Yisrael is not yet ready for us. The teichen von Hemshecha parasha is madgish. As the parasha continues telling how we're going to approach that prepared place, it actually emphasizes as Dilandis noch nit muchen faridin. The story, the language, actually highlights that Eretz Yisrael is not yet ready to accept the Jewish people. Why not? Because in Eretz Yisrael because there are seven occupying nations, promiscuous. Uh, corrupted nations living over there. We have to get them out. We have to expel them from the land. We have to do, as the Torah describes it, things in the future, vanquish them, chase them out of the land. In fact, the Pasuk or the Psukim over here tell us it's not going to happen in the near future either. And as can it be not only will it, but it cannot happen in the near future. Because if we chase everybody out, it will be a desolate land in the time that it takes us to settle the land, and there'll be a, a negative impact on us. The Torah is very clear. It's got to be a slow, deliberate process that we now know was going to take 14 years, seven years of ridding the, the, the land of the nations, and seven years of making it suitable for the Jews to settle. Therefore, Rashi has a simple question. How can you say I'm taking you to the place I have prepared if the land is not yet prepared? To that, Rashi responds by saying, as that the word prepared in this context is not some physical action that modifies the place so that it should be ready. Ton doing something, which is usually what Achona implies. 
Nor, says Rashi, this is a unique use of the word hachinoisi, and it means the preparation is I've reserved this place to give it to you. So, so the word zimanti could be uh, sorry, I skipped a piece. As his blows given there's only a, a reservation, but also but zimun also means invitation. So the Ibish has made it that you're now invited to this land to take over this land. Like, for example, when you invite a guest, when you invite the guest, you haven't actually started to prepare. You haven't started cooking the food. You may not have even ordered the ingredients for the food. You haven't started to lay out the room for them. You're just giving them a verbal invitation. And that also is a form of preparation. So you could say it's the same thing over here. Here, the Ebeshto is now inviting the land of Israel, to be ready to later on be given to the Jewish people. Zimanti, listen to the language of Rashi, Zimanti, I prepared or invited the land, so be ready to give to you. That's the first and simplest explanation Rashi gives to address the question, how does Achinoisi work in this context? But the problem with this explanation is that usually the word achona means preparing something and shifting, changing, modifying it so that it's ready for a particular purpose. Therefore, Rashi brings a second option of how to interpret this pasuk. There's a medrash as well. What's the medrash? My place is already noticeable. It's 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 identifiable. That works better with the word. David has prepared a place, actually modified a particular location to be ready for, in this case, the base Amigdash. Now, but where did the preparation, where did the modification happen? Not here on earth. It's a David modified a piece of heaven to be ready to mirror the base Amigdash. My place, which is obviously spiritual, Nikar is noticeable, across or opposite or corresponding to where the base Amigdash will be on earth. And that helps us understand why Rashi orders the things the opposite to the Medrash. On the high time is Rashi Medayek, that's how Rashi is specific. Shebeis HaMikdash Shel Maila, that it is the Beis HaMikdash on high, that is Mechuvan Keneged Beis HaMikdash Shel Mata, aligned with the location of the Beis HaMikdash down here on earth. Nitin dem fakertan seid kilushen atan chumnot, to say it in the reverse as the Medrash does. Valti piulas achone is given in a mort for Mikdash Shel Maila, because according to this interpretation, the physical, well, it can't be physical, but the tangible modification that happened of a place was a heavenly place that was modified to become the mirror of the Beis HaMikdash. As mekoimi fun Mikdash Shel Maila, that David is saying, my place where my Beis HaMikdash experience is going to be on high, is noticeable across from or paralleling or aligned with the base Hamikdash Shomata, the Mokim Mikdash Shomata. Now, Dosalene Zabinit Maspik. That's a great explanation because it helps us understand what the, the term Hachi Noisi means in context, but it's not yet good enough. Vile. Sit me Stabber to Zogan because it's, it's, it's not so easy to swallow the thought. As those was the Ebishot making given the Mokim Amigdash Shamaila, that the way the Ebishot set it up is he is going to designate a place for the heavenly base Amigdash, so Kalni Tobin can break and lift the Mokim Amigdash Shamata, Vosis Machuvan Kenegdo, without it having any impact on its mirror image down here on earth.
Look at Yaakov in Parashas Vayetze. When he doesn't counter the base Amigdash Shomailo, one of the places that Rashi identifies the, the parallel between the high and low base Amigdash. Yaakov could see that this is a different place. Where he is, is the portal to heaven. That's the first place that Rashi mentions this, this parallel between the high and lower base Amigdash. As Yaakov could sense and experience the holiness of the Beis Hamikdash where he was on earth. Listen to his words. Look how awe-inspiring this place is. The place, not the concept, not the spiritual version of the place. This place. This will be the house of Hashem. And the portal to heaven. So how is it that there could just be the Sachona of the Beis Amigdash Shomayla without any impact here on earth? Seeing as our Pasuk says over here, Asher Chinoisi, that Hashem prepared the place. That David already prepared in the heavenly realms a place that you could identify as the Beis Amigdash. Surely, Surely that should have also created some awareness and some ability to identify the base Amigdash here on earth long before it's built. So how does that fit with the flow which we've already identified where the parasha is telling us very clearly it emphasizes that the entire land of Israel which obviously must incorporate also the place of the base Amigdash is not dan klal nit given great was not at all ready yet even to accommodate the Jews entering the land they had to do many steps of preparation so how could you say that the Beis Amigdash Shomayla is a Mechuvan connected Beis Amigdash Shomata if we don't see that in practice. Therefore, Rashi Moshef and that's the reason that Rashi corroborates by saying this is one of the Psukim that tells us this principle. Why does he tell us that? The Posuk meant the Nitzu Zogan as itzt is given a Chona Durch Demvas Beis Amigdash Shomayla Mechuvan connected Beis Amigdash Shomata. Don't misunderstand that this Posuk is telling us that there is a preparation. That preparation is defining a space as the Beis Hamikdash Shomayla, which will mirror the Beis Hamikdash Shomata. No, it's not happening now. The designation of the heavenly Beis Hamikdash to correspond to the earthly Beis Hamikdash was there from the beginning of time. And this pasuk is not telling us the news; it's one of multiple psukim in many places. Including before this moment, that convey the same message, not the history. They're not telling us this is when it happens. As shown from that we should know that right from the beginning of time, the Beis Hamikdash was prepared to correspond to where our physical Beis Hamikdash would be set up. And so therefore when Rashi says, already my place is identified in Shemaim, corresponding to the physical base of Mikdash, already means right from the beginning. So therefore the question which is, hang on, if Hashem has now designated a place of holiness on high, surely now we should start to feel a higher level of holiness here on earth, 
well, that's not what happened, so we shouldn't have that expectation. It's not now that the Abishta made it happen, and so there's no increased awareness of the holiness of the base Amikdash at this point. And and that will also help us come to terms with the alternate version of what Rashi said, which left out the word base Amikdash. That the base Amikdash on high is in correspondence or aligned with that which is below, on the Verita Beis Amikdash Shemata, without that expression, the lower Beis Amikdash. Why would that be? Lehad gets to emphasize for us, as the Achona in Mekayim Amikdash Shemata's need for Abunan Mitin Matzah for Mekayim Mikdash Shemata. That would emphasize for us that the status of the lofty, heavenly Beis Amikdash is not dependent on the status of the physical Beis Amikdash. The heavenly base amigdash is consistent. It's always there. Even if there's no base amigdash down here below, that won't add or detract from the base amigdash. It is where it needs to be, paralleled with the lower world, as felt the base amigdash, even if the lower world does not have a base amigdash in it. On the far, is considering it was a Fapias and therefore there's no paradox over here because, on the one hand, it's identified where the Abish's place of the base Amigdash is, and from the Svegan and yet we are unable to identify anything that has changed in that region here on earth. In fact, when we look at that point in history, at the place where the base Amigdash is meant to be, who do we find there? Corrupt nations. The Hebech for Beis Amikdash, the antithesis of the Beis Amikdash, that's because the designation of the Beis Amikdash on high is not something that is designed now to shift the reality here on earth. Now this even has an alachic impact for us. There's a beautiful halachic insight that we could, or appreciation that we can get from what Rashi has told us. There are two opinions about how you're supposed to understand what Abaya says, Hasmona Milsahi. That he says, if you prepare something for a particular purpose, that already has legal ramifications. So the the Rishonim debate, what does it mean? Does that mean that if you designate something by changing it, so for example, let's say for Shabbos, if you have something that has no purpose and then you modify it so it has a purpose for Shabbos, a stone, which would be, uh, forbidden to touch and use on Shabbos, to use on Shabbos. And you modify it and turn it into a paperweight. So obviously that is a hasmona, that is designating something for a purpose and it changes its halachic reality. Would it be good enough just to say, this will be for use on Shabbos? Say, without doing. And that has a practical application. Because even if you go with Rava's view, and we follow Rava's view practically, to say as asmona love milsehi that just preparing something, uh, you know, reserving something for a particular purpose does not change its legal status. But there are certain scenarios where we do actually consider hasmona, where it is a, an important part of the preparation of an item for use. So there the question would be the same. In those areas where Hasmona is part of the halachic ramification, the halachic definition of something, I'm going to allocate something for a particular purpose, whether it's uh, foodstuffs or for Shabbos or whatever, something to be susceptible to impurity. Okay, that's a different story. So if, we, if there is any scenario where Hasmona preparation is to be considered halachically, we'll still have the same question. Does verbal Hasmona count? 
Rashi. We could say that those two views about whether verbal hasmona does or does not count as preparing something for a particular purpose legally, that will align with the two views that Rashi has quoted over here. If you look at Rashi from the simple lens, the first comment that Rashi puts in, that Rashi is saying, means I have reserved or invited this land to be yours. On a which is just purely conceptual or verbal. But there's nothing done. They Bishop didn't do anything to the land of Eretz Yisrael yet. According to that opinion, that is considered preparation. That would support the halachic view that says if you verbally designate something, it is halachically considered prepared for its particular purpose. Whereas, when you go with the opinion of the Medrash that says, that's not good enough, and we have to find a way to say that something was made for a purpose. The Beis Hamikdash Shomayla is the Achinoise Fabun Mitan Uftu was Nikke in dem Zach. Then the designation, the meaning of the word Achinoise is that something happened to the thing, actually modified it. But even Kenegdo, it is now aligned with, right? The Beis Hamikdash Shomayla is now aligned with a physical location. You can identify. They must just place on high. That is paralleled to our base down here below. That would support the opinion that if a person uh, just makes a verbal commitment to prepare something, that would not actually impact its preparation. In the final note of the Sikha, the Rebbe raises something to make us think, and that is, remember, we're talking about Hashem, and unlike human beings who are unable to make things happen just by speaking, they can, and that kind of throws a little bit of a spanner in the works. Yagdil Torah Yadir, we could obviously uh, explore this further and learn further.